Hey there, lovely listeners. This is Ben Yenny, your host of the Movie Moolah podcast. I just wanted to put a little bit of a peek behind the curtain here because uh, I was having some massive internet issues that have since been sorted when we were recording this podcast with Carrie Rose and Lorraine. Um, so you're going to see a jump cut later on and you might see a couple of slowdowns, but it's not going to happen in anything I record in the future because I ran a hard line to my studio Thanks, guys. Hello and welcome to the Movie Moolah podcast. I am your host, Ben Yenny, and with me today are Carrie Rose and Lorraine of the New Mexico Film Incubator. Uh, I've known Lorraine for years um, through the Seattle Film Summit, as well as many other projects. And Lorraine introduced me to Carrie Rose. So beyond that, I'll let both of them introduce themselves as the serious people they are so we can have a serious <laughs> topic we can talk about serious topics and probably have some silly conversations involved because you know that's the tagline <laughs> <laughs> oh good i love you Hello. Also, great start. i'm lorraine Mon- Good, good to be here, and it's so good to see your face. I and you know we're on a podcast, but it's excellent to be able to see you. It's been so long. Um, I did meet Ben up in Seattle. I have been uh, a producer uh, for uh, almost oh 18, 20 years now. Uh, I teach, which is how I got involved with Carrie Rose. And Carrie Rose and I share another dual background. I'll let her talk about. And uh, I'm also an actor and a screenwriter. And uh, it's great to be here. Um, uh, I'm actually very honored, Ben, that you asked me on your show. So thank you. Carrie? Uh, hello, everyone. I'm Carrie Rose O'Connell. And I'm so happy to be here with you, Ben. It's great to join you and Lorraine today. I have a background of over 20 years in corporate communications and marketing, and I went out on 2017 on my own as a freelance independent uh, brand consultant, where in New Mexico, I started meeting a lot of filmmakers, and I saw a huge need uh, for them to have a bit more business training in addition to their creative training that they were receiving in the state. Um, And so kind of that mission over knowing the community for several years took me into the development of the Albuquerque Film and Media Incubator. Um, And we launched a very successful proof of concept the last six months of 2023, or 2022, excuse me. Um, 2023 has been a wonderful start with our full expansion. Um, So we provide full acceleration services for independent filmmakers by education, production training environments, production-based services like script coverage, line item budgeting, and even full co-production services, um, as well as just making sure that they're plugged in to each other as a community. We um, engaging structured networking events as well. So it has been great to know you, Ben. Uh, you get to join us soon in one of our classes by Zoom, which we really appreciate having you. And um, yeah, it's great to join you guys today. Little side note on me is I'm also a poet. So that's kind of my creative force. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Carrie Rose and I met because I relocated back to my home state of New Mexico uh, a couple of years ago. So I'm now a uh, in 
Albuquerque, New Mexico, along with a lot of other Seattleites who have moved out here. Ben, I'm going to talk you into it one of these days <laughs> in that East Coast weather, my friend. Yeah, I, th I think my dog might not be too happy about the heat. Uh, he is very much a cold weather boy. <laughs> Um, we'll get him a pool, man. We'll get him a pool. <laughs> <laughs> that he wouldn't. Um, but the, uh, <laughs> yeah, I actually grew up in Colorado, so I have spent some time oh, nice. in New Mexico. Um, Steamboat Springs, mm -hmm. if you guys know it. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a, um, so it is nice to, uh, connect back with the, I guess Southwest. I'm not sure whether Colorado quite qualifies as that. Yeah. 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 We consider it. They're neighbors. We'll take them. <laughs> Very. Nice. Did you say you, you grew up somewhere called Steamboat Springs? Yep. Uh, I was, I grew up and graduated high school as a uh, Steamboat Springs sailor. And uh, I, <laughs> Which is why I give all my guests the no swearing for 20 minutes rule, because I'm reminding myself more than anything else, because I still rep that. <laughs> um, I don't know, Ben, that sounds like a TV series, my right, friend. Yeah. <laughs> Petticoat Junction, now it's Steamboat Springs. <laughs> yeah, that is a thing. Um, the um, So, I... When I heard that you guys were doing an incubator, I got really excited because I have uh, tried to form a couple of incubators in various forms, but they uh, didn't quite launch, mainly due to my own personal split focus and lack of reliable team on them. But the two of you together seem like a very reliable team, and uh, I'm really curious to hear more about uh, the impetus of how you guys decided to start uh, an incubator as well as just in general, where you draw the line between acceleration and incubation. So. Well, I'll start by saying it was actually Carrie Rose's brainchild. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, I'll let her kind of tell you the story, but she told you a little bit before how she just realized it was really needed here. Um, I just happened to come along with um, uh, Kira Seipler, who Ben, you also know, is an mm -hmm. amazing filmmaker in her own right. And she relocated to Albuquerque. And I came back about a year after Kira said, gosh, you need to meet this lady named Carrie Rose. And I was like, oh, really? And then we met and we we're both gingers and <laughs> she's so tall and I'm so short. And it was just so funny. And I don't know, we spent, we spent a lot of time planning and strategizing but we also spent a lot of time just laughing and coming up with ideas and joking and 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 kvetching with each other right mm -hmm. yeah yeah sometimes crying <laughs> sometimes crying um <laughs> but no, yeah, that, yeah. fortunately <laughs> yeah more laughter really crying yeah it leads to laughter so we're good all <laughs> um but you know being an entrepreneur since 2017, you know, the ebb and flow of being kind of on your own in the, in the business world is um, something where I'm used to cycling through laughter and crying. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, and I think that's, that spirit in me is why the incubator came into fold. I'm, you know, my corporate background taught me a lot about system development. 
And it's been a natural skill set to me. You honestly, since I was a young kid, I could just kind of look at systems and immediately see, oh, well, no wonder they're not working correctly. Look at all these areas where there's like gaps. So that kind of, as I met the community out here, I realized that there was just a lot of gaps that were not allowing a localized, sustainable film and media community to develop. So there's people that work in film out here. If that come to New Mexico decide to hire them, that population. And for me, growing up in New Mexico, um, you know, I love this community and it's always been generationally poor. Our median income has been under $40,000 since they've been tracking median incomes. And um, when you look at what the average income in film can yield, if you fully develop that industry in your community, having commercial projects, independent projects, studio projects, post-production, when you start incorporating all those business-based services and employees um, and contractors into your society, your median income levels can go up to over $89,000 a year when a film industry is properly embedded in your community. And I couldn't look at my fellow New Mexicans and deny my help and that opportunity for them. I mean, that would generationally, that increase would make a huge impact on us as a state for generations to come. And so these aren't hard things to learn and fill, but we don't, the community at this point doesn't understand it's simple. It's just not easy. So the concepts of the business plan for film are very similar to any other business plan. But if you're going to say, I'm going to be an independent filmmaker, then need to accept you're accepting being a business owner and there's certain things that you just need to learn about that process to make yourself effective and that's what we're lacking here we have a lot of desire to do it but a lot of lack in understanding how to just run a business so we're combining the two and i think to me that's where the incubation converts to acceleration um is that when we combine the inherent training of business into then the live training models where they actually get to be on sets working in live environments together. Those two things together will accelerate the pace at which I can generate local pro-level producer talent that'll become the future employers of our state. Yeah, I totally agree with Kelly Rose's vision, which of course is why I came on board. I also think that in addition to that focus, there is, there's a, you know, Kerry Rose dropped a pebble in the water and, and, and the, the, the waves that are going out from it and the impact can reach so far beyond anything that New Mexicans have ever experienced, not just in the film industry, but creatives overall. We've had people come to us and say, hey, Hey, I'd love for you to do, you know, a, a, a line item budget for my script. And we start taking a look at the script 
And I will go back to them or Carrie Rose will go back to them and say, look, we'd be happy to do this, but you're not ready and we don't want to take your money. What you need is script coverage. And whether you do it with us or whether you go online or however you decide to go out and do that, please make sure your story and your script are ready to move into that next facet, which includes your marketing communications, your pitching, everything that's got to go around that finish for trying to, you know, um, attract, you know, investors, uh, sales reps, producers, reps, whoever you can get them in your corner so that you can really start moving into uh, an arena of true pre-production and then principal photography and post and festivals. And I think the other way that we accelerate and it's happening organically is that as we're training into all creatives on a lot of levels, uh, in the film industry, in storytelling, in marketing communications, frankly, in the tech world, because, you know, filmmakers live in a digital world now with everybody else. Uh, we're also training them in leadership skills. We're training them in software as a solution programs. We're training them in uh, how to think about your career, how to, how to create a career path that you like and where that may take you within a creative industry. And even if they decide not to go into filmmaking, uh, they're now on a path where anything and everything that they're learning is absolutely going to accelerate them as they move through life. And we're also seeing organically that uh, things like we we taught a pitch panel, and now we we demand to to advance to get another advanced level of it going because uh, people are so hungry to learn how to pitch, yeah. to learn how to fund, to learn the business of the industry. All now melts to bet uh, together, as Carrie Rose said, we're all entrepreneurs industry now. Right. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're in independent film and even to me, I've even, you know, seen studios that are taking best practice of independent films. And of course, we're all now dealing with artificial intelligence and where that may lead. So uh, I, I think it's a great time, frankly, to have incubators across the country mm -hmm. uh, to help as many creators as possible reach those dreams. I agree. I mean, I think the, uh, I think right at the beginning, you kind of identified a pain point, which is a, uh, which makes this much more of a logical community investment. And that is the median <laughs> income of the area. Yeah. And the fact that any reasonable film industry job that is full time and be in maybe just a hair beyond entry level is going to match that medium or surpass it with a lot of still yeah. room for growth. And that is something that I'd imagine um, city, local, state governments are, county, maybe, I don't know, um, are interested in. And it must, is that an accurate depiction? I would say, um, I don't know if they're that interested in our full position yet, because I don't think they quite understand how uniquely we set up our, we, we set ourselves up to be the actual 
resource conduit that connects all the other resources that they support. So there's a there's a level of our state's awareness and comprehension of the film industry at all levels that creates, I would say, simple, um, probably unawareness of the benefit of some products, right? Because we try and do a lot of, I think, and this is completely like no judgment on how anything's run. Our state overall has been super supportive of our industry. And I, the, one of the reasons I even took on is because of the unique position that New Mexico continues to support with independent filmmakers, even with our tax credit program, they make it viable for independent films to take part in it. And so they're tremendously supportive, but I think we have a natural human tendency as a society to like go for the gusto. So mm-hmm. a lot of conversations say, conversations, excuse me, stay around the narratives of we need studios and huge training models for young students and um, lots of top dollar investment, which isn't wrong. It's just that there's this huge and that they're missing about the independent filmmaker and content creator component that they don't understand. It doesn't matter how many people you put through rudimentary training to become crew members. There's only going to be so much work as long as we only foster studio jobs from Netflix and NBC Universals. It doesn't, it's not enough to pay everybody. So we have to create the independent producers that understand how do I unlock funding for a feature film, get it produced in New Mexico, pay low folks, get a tax credit, and get it distributed to the markets. As we start training that end of the spectrum in this industry, those are people that suddenly fill in there between work with making commercials for local businesses mm-hmm. that are affordable because they're local. Now, under, now all of a sudden, local businesses reach more people in the community than they ever thought possible because there's a local film producer willing to make them a commercial so they can pay their rent and eat and have some bills paid between feature projects. Like if you talk to anybody from any larger market industry uh, city, like uh, out of Southern California, they'll tell you everybody eats off of commercials and then mm-hmm. we get big projects in between. But you have to have these other foundations of the industry that are extremely independent and very, very localized. And we've been training a lot of the big picture stuff, building a lot of the big picture stuff, boxes, studios, the flash. And it's kind of mundane to think about training what we call independent makers because they're given less credit for their ability to produce, create a functioning, localized uh, economy. They're just, they're not. Yeah. And if I could jump on that with you, Carrie Rose, I think it's a, it's a bit short-sighted because at the end of the day, uh, our locals are the ones paying taxes, buying houses, mm-hmm. going to restaurants, buying tickets, doing everything that keeps the area vibrant and thriving and growing in addition to what we may be getting from LA bringing films out here. And I also think, you know, Carrie Rose talked about um, 
she's known from a young age. She's really good at recognizing gaps. That's what she and I have in common. And that gap here she talked about is a massive opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because if you have the ability to take a gap with those independent uh, uh, filmmakers and, and, and content creators, even, even if you're just, you know, a, not just, but even if you're a screenwriter who really is just looking for a producer or you want to sell your story, this market is for the most part untapped when it comes to storytelling. And you know how we always hear, you know, in the bigger markets, give them the same thing, only different. Well, the stories out here are just that. Mm -hmm. And we really have an opportunity to bring some great storytelling into the market, uh, both for streaming and for uh, independent filmmaking uh, that could really make a splash and really make an impact just based on the stories from out here that everybody who lives out here knows. But of course, if you haven't lived here or grown up in the area, you just you just don't know how deep they go. That yeah, no, that makes total sense to me the other thing that i feel like is missed by most state tax incentive models would be the big money kind of comes from residuals and royalties and even if a big studio project is putting a ton of money into the area to shoot it they're also getting a decent amount back from the taxpayer and they are and once they're gone they're gone and basically as soon as somebody else has a better deal for them they're going to move to that area as well i mean it's a bit different when you have like netflix investing in studios and things like i know they were doing in more southern new mexico and a couple of other places too but it's not the same as having a local creator community because that's what's right. really going to drive long-term revenue well exactly. after mm -hmm. these productions leave that will be frankly taxable at full rate um but mm -hmm. the right um i don't know i think it, it's a really interesting model and i think it is something that is very replicable across the country um yeah. one thing i've seen about secondary and tertiary markets for film um because I've, I've spoken in a lot of places including new mexico um mm -hmm. and i've uh it seems that the biggest issue is that a lot of filmmakers would m much rather be the king of their own tiny hill than a noble in a larger system or larger community. And um, is that something yeah. you guys have faced? Yes. <laughs> I'll say it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're working on that. I think one of the things I noticed when I got out here is there's a lot of focus on lack and I get it when you grow up in the desert, everything's trying to kill you. It's really hard to think <laughs> of abundance, <laughs> but it's, so I think what it is, is you're seeing a fear of, 
uh, competition that maybe the well's going to dry up or there's not going to be enough or, uh, you know, it's for me, it comes out of like, I'm from Las Cruces, right? And so even when I grew up, like I was telling Carrie Rose, I'd, Albuquerque had a bad rap in Cruces when I was growing <laughs> up. And I was like, I, I, I was, you know, came to Albuquerque. A pompon thing. You know, you Sorry. just repeat. Well, here, you, Albuquerque's a pit. Pompon uh, drill team. About two, like the beginning of that conversation, uh, you cut out yeah. on the internet. Yeah. yeah, so sorry. Uh, yeah, so I'm originally from Las Cruces, and even back then, Las Cruces was like saying Albuquerque's a pit. I don't know what Albuquerque was saying or Santa Fe was saying. I'd never even been to uh, Albuquerque, and yet I'm hearing this. And I told Carrie Rose when I first got here wow that was really unfair reputation albuquerque is quite gorgeous it's got so much green it's got all four changes of of weather the people have been super amazing so i i think it's fear i think it's um trying to sort of hey our area needs it too because as carrie rose said that that median income in new mexico is lower um, but I think that's one of the things that we're really trying to do with the incubator. And I know I'm trying to do as a producer is lead by example in saying there's so much beautiful content we can create out here and there's going to be so much demand for it. So let's try pulling together and see where yeah. that gets us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I sometimes like to, it's a challenge. Yeah. I like to joke that, um, Sometimes I feel like I just started a local version of Sesame Street and I'm just teaching people how to share. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, it's just about sharing. But, you know, one of the reasons that motivated me to help this community so much was one of the first things, uh, one of the first times I got in a group meeting with a bunch of filmmakers years ago, there was a dozen people in the room that identified as actors, writers, cinematographers, hair and makeup, directors. And they were all complaining that there was no help to make their films. And I was like, am I the only person that realizes like most of you are in the room together? Um, but we don't see each other as resources because we don't think anybody knows here locally how to do it. And in some ways that's true. So I feel like what's causing, you know, to take from, um, you know, what you said, that kind of king of their little hill kind of mentality is, and I'm going to say a word that activates everybody, but please understand that ignorance is not an insult. It's a state of being. And anybody can be ignorant to a lot of different topics. Like, I'm ignorant to brain surgery, okay? So, uh, you know, sometimes you, you say that there's a problem with ignorance and people get real upset by that word, but it's quite true. And I think that's the biggest problem is I see filmmakers out here, you know, starting crowdfunding campaigns for $300,000 feature films. That's not how you do that. Crowdfunding is for micro budgets, not features. And so there's a true gap in just understanding how to properly get your films made. And then what they do is in their ignorance, they focus on their biggest passion project. And they spend a lot of wasteful time and energy and money 
trying to make that project. And as Lorraine said, oftentimes by the time we get it, the script's not even ready. And they've been doing all kinds of stuff with it. Yep. And and paying money so to do stuff with it. And, yeah. And so it's about understanding, like, you know, when I, as a business owner, I have a lot of big ideas, but sometimes I know in order to get to that big idea, I have to create several smaller products that I can create easily and sell now so I can build up the revenue I need to get to the big idea. And so they should be working more in building up a portfolio of work. Here are short films I have made. Here are music videos I have made. Here are commercials I have made. Here is a, a small budget $40,000 feature I was a part of, right? These are the things they need to be creating a portfolio of credible work for mm -hmm. so that they can have a stronger position as we train them on how to package a project, find an investor, pitch their films, secure funding, and then even doing that again, trying to find distribution. To go through all of that is going to require a ton of learning, a ton of hard work, and starting much, much smaller. Mm -hmm. um, and, mm -hmm. you know, sharing the hill with other people, you know, like, hey, come join me on my hill. I need to make some stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. This is all like super important and i think at the core of what we're knocking it's a very hard yeah to understand it now and nobody wants to hear that it's a very hard um can you go yeah. um yeah. you broke up again i'm not <laughs> sure whose internet it is it might be mine um i uh oh. uh it's very hard to what oh i forgot what i said now um uh it's yeah, fine. It, it's, it's hard. It's hard to. You said it's hard to convince them. Oh, uh, you know, to share and and to bring other people on. It's like we're the people feeding them broccoli right now, and nobody wants to eat broccoli. <laughs> yeah, but it's like you have to eat your vegetables to get to dessert. You know, yeah. so and to pick a lot up of what, to do before you can fund a feature. To pick on what uh, to pick up on what Carrie Rose is saying, I think a lot of times. And this was true in Seattle for a while too, Van. I think you know this. Um, mm -hmm. People get taught how to uh, make a film. Mm -hmm. They don't get taught how to produce a film. They don't get taught how to distribute a film. They don't get taught how to market a film. That's one of the reasons I started teaching the class I did at Shoreline Community College. And mm -hmm. it's still, I believe, only one of two classes like that in the entire city. And Seattle's much larger. So I think we have the same issues out here in that people either get excited and they want to do the sexy and creative parts, which I completely understand. <laughs> That's what we live for, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the way I try to explain it is it's like building a house. And if you try to put in the walls and the ceiling and the roof before you put in a foundation, your house is going to collapse. So the foundation might not be sexy, but if you don't do it, chances are you running into some pretty insurmountable problems, either during pre-production or production or mm -hmm. post are exponentially increased. Mm -hmm. And if, if, you're, if you're really wanting and passionate about being a filmmaker, especially, you also have to invest in yourself. Oh, entirely. You know, you have to 
you have to learn. You have to take some classes. You have to, like Carrie Rose said, get out on set, you know, do a short film, go do the 48 hour film challenges, go do all of it. Because again, you know, book learning is one thing and actual practicum is another, which is why we really try to combine all of that together in a holistic way of, of accelerating people, you know, through the programs that we do. Uh, but I think that the thing that tends to intimidate people is they do what we know, right? Or what we're good at or what we feel comfortable doing. So if you get some filmmakers together, all they're really comfortable doing is doing some camera angles and a little bit of lighting and have no idea what really goes into producing. Or you get someone who's written a TV show. Money on going off and doing a pilot, even though that maybe that's not the best practice, that's still a learning experience for those folks. I know, I know. We tried. Uh, it's still a learning for those folks. And uh, I think what we're trying to do is just make sure the learning they get is maybe not as painful as some of the lessons that personally I have learned as a producer through trial and tribulation and, uh, you know, going through the practicum part of it. I also think people tend to freak out if there's what I call an empty space in front of them or a white space in front of them. I've got the script and I, I know how to shoot it with a camera. I don't know anything else. So I don't even know where to start with that, mm -hmm. right? And some people are willing to jump into that empty space and go, well, I'll just figure out where I am when that And some people are just, they just can't do it without a little bit of help. Mm -hmm. And I think especially learning best practices of being an independent filmmaker and what that means as, as being a, a creative entrepreneur uh, is vital if you really want to have more joy in what you're doing creatively and make sure that when those harder challenges and issues come up in pre-production or especially on set, uh, you're ready for them, you know, and you're you're prepped and you're you're confident and you're able to be a leader and a problem solver and continue to move on to achieve that goal of making that day. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to think long term about a lot of things, especially when so much of this uh, landscape is completely is shifting, like dramatically right now and mm -hmm. i think from a filmmaker perspective i don't remember who first told me this phrase but it's stuck with me since it's not so much that practice makes perfect it's that practice makes permanent and yeah, exactly the and when they're actually When you continue to do things the wrong way for long enough, it's almost blasphemy to consider doing them a better, a more likely to yield success <laughs> way. And that is I, so insightful, Ben. Yeah, it's. I I I I have faced the same general sorts of problems here a lot, so I've had a lot of time to think about it. Um, but the. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing that we faced on Tim Travers, which was actually 
Lorraine, I believe we owe you a special thanks on. Um, but the um you uh as you introduced the director and I long, long ago through the summit. Um but we are He's a good guy. Uh, he's a great guy. Um Yeah, I really but, like him. Yeah. But he is a um in that Stimson Sneed. Um he's coming on the podcast in a couple days recording. Don't know when it'll be released. But he's um Uh, but there were some surprising issues we kind of faced around shooting Tim Travers. Look, I mean, overall, Spokane was amazing. I continually recommend North by North by North by Northwest on mm -hmm. basically anything. Yeah, they're really good. Range. They're fantastic. But yeah. um, there were a couple things that on the lower level crews there, I think kind of were indicative of this same mindset. They're kind of, they've gotten through them mostly, at least from what I saw. Of course, I was the executive producer in the three-piece suit visiting the set, so I am not sure I saw the actual nitty-gritty of what was going on. <laughs> but, um... Let's hope not. <laughs> that's hope not, yeah. That's a, uh... But, um... Yeah, I, I, it's, I, I say that story more to... Even then, a decent amount of our crew was from Seattle, just because there wasn't, it was a big enough production, there wasn't quite enough in Spokane. And Ooh, I could pick happens. up on a little bit of the anti-Spokane and Seattle, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to call it, but, uh, so. It's so it, passive-aggressive, hard to describe it. <laughs> it's just i say that with great love to my seattle peeps <laughs> i don't know what it is exactly but it's, it's funny it, it it is a universal problem across every secondary and tertiary market that i've played a part in and just for the record i mean when i say secondary and tertiary i mean everywhere except new york and los angeles that's yeah yeah of course right right maybe georgia maybe <laughs> they're looking at us like yo people <laughs> but yeah it's... it's just a movie man <laughs> but no i mean i think it's just it's a big mindset shift to go to think about entrepreneurialism and building community I, I think they're very much the same um at least parts of this yeah thing. but i am how long have you guys been operating so we launched a proof of concept of the of the incubator from my brand from june to december of 2022 and in that we helped the community produce a feature-length documentary, two short films, and we hosted several well-attended workshops that Lorraine was our lead instructor on. And so with that, we decided, okay, this looks viable. It's going to take some work, but it, the, it, there's value in it. And so I, we expanded at the top of this year and fully took on the name through my LLC as a DBA and um, expanded to an office with a training center here locally in Albuquerque to handle all of our classes and kind of went full board with all of the digital space marketing, et cetera. So. I said, I like to call us bonafide. 
Yeah. When we started, uh, we started a proof of concept last year and, and full board kind of bona fide version this year. <laughs> so we're very new. We're very fresh into it. Mm-hmm. We've done a lot of workshop classes though, for being so new. We have. Yeah. Yeah. We hosted the 14 week um, above the line, like producing and marketing for independent filmmakers intensive that Lorraine uh, led uh, um, a creative, we had a creating rough draft, a wonderful writing, um, instructor came and did a six week program, um, working with people on just getting through that first rough draft. She was tired of seeing so many writers edit the first 20 pages over and over again. <laughs> I was like, you need to finish the first draft, no matter what you do. So it was a great class to really push people to the end of a script they stuck on. Um, I can't even think line, of one. Line yeah, producing, we, unit production, management, producing, pitching, which is yeah. so popular. We're adding another level to it. We're going to have mm-hmm. people who can really by the time we're done. And yeah. Ben, you know that that's an art form in and of itself. So. Oh, pitching. It's its more than one art form. Um, there's, yeah, true. Yeah. You, you pitch an investor very different. You pitch an investor very differently than you pitch a studio and you pitch a studio very differently than you Absolutely. pitch a sales agent. It's all like, right. yep. yep. Yeah. It ends up, and also you pitch a grant organization differently. It's not exactly called a pitch. Exactly. But it is functionally a pitch. It is a pitch, though. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Even just trying to build community partners that I can work with in the certain parts of our industry out here, I feel anytime I approach one of them, it's a form of pitching the incubator to lock them into really partnering with us and some significant about filmmakers locally. So yeah, it's a, one thing that our filmmakers don't want to really fully accept in their hearts that they have to learn yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's a, a lot of, I think, um, you know, the way our filmmakers are approaching some of their work right now, you might as well buy a lottery ticket. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, you've got to learn these fundamental skills and then that way, you know, that the time you're spending is, is, um, useful, um, as you're trying to find these meetings and do these pitches. So we'll get them there. It's going to take a while longer. I think it also helps, uh, them identify red flags, right? Because Mm -hmm. as you have sort of that, that LA business model moving in, you have some bad actors and some bad players that are moving in with them. And we really want to make sure that the film community here, all the way from behind the camera to in front of the camera, really knows the right questions to ask mm-hmm. in order to really identify who they're with they make sure that they're not getting taken advantage of. And that these people who have learned to do that really, you know, big LA and New York, I got irons with the fire, talk to you because you have to sign an NDA. You know, those kind who really don't have anything, but they talk a big game, how to really be able to flush them out with a set of smart questions uh, so that you can vet people and make sure that, you know, they are walking their talk. And and also that it's a relationship that you want to pursue because as we all know, and as we tell everyone in, in all of our workshops and classes, this industry is all about relationships. Mm-hmm. No, it's entirely about relationships. Yeah. Uh, that has been cemented for me moving into the uh, going to con 
and going to EFM and I've been going to the American film market for a long time, but it wasn't until I started being much more on the direct sales side of it, um, as opposed to being a producer's rep interfacing with sales agents, it's exceedingly important that your reputation and in general, your uh, relationships in this space function. And that's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I go to markets right now with a one, two, three media as a consultant. And I do a lot of U.S. sales, like I'll interface with bigger U.S. distributors as uh, since the mutiny sale, I'm not allowed to be a distributor for a little bit. Um, and I am working and it's just astonishing to me to see how long most of these relationships are as like Alan is wall to wall with meetings for pretty much the entire market. And when I sit in on them, most of it is like it's it's 15 minutes of, oh, how are you? How are, how's the kids? You remember that stupid thing you did at that one market 30 years ago? Um, not 30, but to illustrate a point. <laughs> I get it. Um, <laughs> the it's like <laughs> that's basically it. And then you eventually talk business and start showing trailers. And uh, but you don't close, but it's rare you close anything there. Most of the time you'll close it and follow. Yeah. It's um, but it is really yeah. the reason that I think those in-person markets still exist is because of the need for the relationship in this level of business. It's um, absolutely yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of people I find really either don't know how to network or they're very uncomfortable doing it, usually because they don't know how to network. And so I think that that's, you know, another skill that it's very important to learn. You know, networking for me is not about going in and trying to seek people out to see what I can get from them. You know, networking for me is I'm going to go and I'd love to find out about you and learn about what you're doing and see if I can identify anything that I could, I don't know, you know, introduce you to somebody else to help with, or maybe I've got something you need that I could help you with or or whatever it is sure i'm happy to talk about my projects but uh that's not what networking is for me mm-hmm. you know networking is really me being able to get in there and start to learn about that person and uh i really enjoy doing that so if it's genuine it's you can have a great deal of fun with it yeah because you're not after a you're not after a, a specific outcome you know ben like you said you go into those meetings and oftentimes you don't close until later because that's mm-hmm. not what that meeting's for no, it's for seeing each other and maintaining a relationship more than anything. Like I, yeah. When I start, when I went to EFM, because we started mutiny during the pandemic, so all of this was just not a thing. Nobody was traveling. The markets were mm. either sparsely attended or just not put on at all, unless they were virtual. Mm. And I did a lot of virtual work, but it's not the same as meeting somebody in person. Mm. And part of the reason I went to EFM and Con this year was to cement all of those relationships that I'd been dealing with um, in my capacity at Mutiny to actually just sell to now I know these people in person. Now we've met and Zoom is a better than you'd think approximation, but it's not at all the mm-hmm. same. It's... Um, the... You can't get any energy from it, right? It's no. like you can't... We're missing a very important and distinct part of how we evolutionized 
as humans, which is body language and energy. And it's very, very hard to read that, virtually impossible to read that over Zoom unless you're really studying it. Yeah, I mean, there's the empathy connection that you just don't get over Zoom. Mm -hmm. That's what you lose. You can get a lot of the rest of it, but the empathy connection, it's just not there. It's, um, yeah, it's like it's better than anything else we had in the pandemic but these in-person spaces still exist for a reason it's um <laughs> yeah the, but yeah um cool so how are you guys funded <laughs> on a hope and prayer <laughs> I run my business. Yeah, I run my business um, just like my consulting before this, where I always look for multiple streams of income that my brand is generating. So we're never reliant on one outcome being successful or the whole thing collapses. So we are an LLC with future schedule B Corp conversion, um, but we um, do have a fiscal sponsor. So we have a couple ways that we can bring money into the incubator to support our communities. We have classes at a very affordable prices. So if you want to learn, you can pay for classes here. Um, we offer independent filmmaker packaging services. So script coverage, line item budget, marketing press kit kind of things. Um, we can develop those and, and do one-time packages for filmmakers Kitching. and support those for a fee. Um, and then we can also act as a production company so we can take on either you know in pretty much any scale you know uh, micro to feed structure and we're interested in work of finding funding and uh and promoting those and then you know yielding anything we can as the production company um on the back end it's a um, obviously, it's a long-term um, revenue stream, but we tend to do that. And then through our fiscal non-sponsor, our fiscal sponsor, excuse me, as a nonprofit, we can pursue grants um, that help us fund some of our programs. So um, I recently acquired interns from a local high school that are going to be working in the office, and one of them is going to become very good at grant resourcing <laughs> um, because we have a lot of grants that we'll be applying for because some of our more extensive workforce development programs and stuff like that um, will be very immersive um, experiences for folks, but will require um, a considerable amount of money to make sure we can pull the mentors and the trainers and the studio spaces we would be renting to help train in. So, um, so those are kind of our our, our channels of, of income that we work on right now. And envisioning uh, obviously going more digital, more broad reach at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one thing that we're doing that we're gonna launch very soon. And so for all the filmmakers listening to this out there, um, be ready. Um, some of our content is so valuable for not just Mexican filmmaker, independent filmmakers all over the country and pretty much all over the world that some of our topics like our funding and distribution for independent filmmakers, marketing and communication for independent filmmakers and intro to pitching, we're about to start recording very high quality webinar versions of those. So students anywhere can 
purchase the class and take it on demand no matter where they're at. Um, so that'll be another way that we can earn income, but also help more independent filmmakers even outside of our local New Mexico communities. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I think the, I think you've definitely got something with the grants. I know that there are a couple yeah. that I'm not going to name on air um, that would be good to apply for, for your specific situation. Oh. Because um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you when we stop rolling. Yeah, um, well, we can, we can do that later. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, But the, uh, yeah, no, I think, I think you've got your head in the right spot on this. It's a very starting anything in this business involved side hustle before my uh, <laughs> rep business became self-sustaining which was pre-mutiny i took a litany of uh freelance jobs um i think one was mm -hmm. when i was really 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 starting when i had like like when i was still just going to afm for the first few times um i took a job telemarketing websites to companies in texas with a uh <laughs> where the leads were sourced from the texas business registry and i was very glad oh, i moved to california because i got several gun threats <laughs> but <laughs> it was oh, yeah <laughs> texas my goodness oh, texas. Boy. But, um, Funny. on that so but yeah um On that note, I'm going to move to the last three questions that I ask of all my guests. Um, and I'm going yeah, okay. to say the you I'm going to you can answer the first one second if you like, because sometimes it takes a second for people to think of. Um, so I often just give the first two at the same time, and you can answer them in whichever order you please. Um Okay. Okay. So the first question is what are your top three favorite movies as it stands right this second now? It can change in 10 minutes. It is literally a vibes thing for this current moment. And then the second question is, okay. if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice, um, what would that advice be? And when would you go back to tell yourself? Oh, wow. That's a good one. <laughs> okay. So uh, the three movies are current favorites? Current. They can be for any yeah. reason. Just like, and again, they could change okay. in 10 minutes. It, it's, yeah. yeah. Okay. Lorraine, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Oh, uh, I do have some. I have some, yeah, I have some movies. Okay, you can go first, yeah. So, yeah, for me, I'm always going to answer The Heiress with Olivia de Havilland from, like, 1942 is my favorite movie. Um, and it's always my favorite movie. It's been that way forever. <laughs> so it will always probably stand. It's a fantastic film. If you haven't seen it, I would definitely watch it. Um some of my other favorites um, that have just always stay with me as is, is, is a longtime favorite is Royal Tenenbaums. That's a good one. And then The Battle of Buster Shrugs by uh, the Coen Brothers, which is a series of short films that they had. Um, 
very, very good uh, storytelling in there. Excellent. Did you want to answer the other question then, too? Yeah. And then for the other question, if I could go back and tell myself a piece of advice, what would it be? And when would I go back to, um, I would go back and share with myself um, that I came up with a new phrase recently after working with myself and this community about kind of living in poverty, which is lack is just space to receive. <laughs> so um, I think I would go back and tell myself that and I would probably go back to like my 12 year old self and make sure I foundationally knew that. Nice. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, man, you know I can't narrow this down to three movies. Okay. <laughs> so I have to say it this way. All Star Trek movies except the first. <laughs> Don't get on me, Trekkie haters, okay? I love everything else except Janeway's hair. It's way too big. Oh, my gosh. Um, Princess Bride. Uh, and I've been able to act with Carrie Elwes, and I will tell everybody he is a genuinely awesome, funny, amazing dude to be around. And I, I was so thrilled to be able to act with him. Uh, it wasn't obviously in Princess Bride that I acted with him, uh, <laughs> but I did get to do that. And then my third one, I'm going to give a shout out to Get Out because man, he, it Peel did such a good job on that, mm. and it harkens back to some of my very favorites, like. Sirland, mm. Hitchcock, and all of that stuff. So, uh, yeah. And what would I do? I would go back to probably my my ten or twelve year old self, and I would say, "Listen, girl, you're worth it. Invest in Microsoft stock as soon as it comes out." <laughs> and enjoy your creative journey because that's what it's all about. Fair enough. Um, I love the one episode. I don't remember. It's probably Family Guy. It might be something else of where I love Family Guy. Cleveland goes back in time and says, "Buy Apple." Or somebody says that. <laughs> yeah. The next scene, there's just tons of apple trees everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the uh, that's funny. Okay, on the fam on the somebody's gonna hit it in the comments because I definitely got some part of that reference wrong. But um, <laughs> the uh, on that note. Thank you both for coming. I am more than happy to have you back. Uh, and I am looking forward to helping with your class in like barely over a week. Awesome. Um, so yeah, we're going to be yeah, such gonna a some superstar. About that soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks so much for having us. Um, thank you. It was fun. Thank you both. And uh, as always, I've wait, been- wait. Oh, what, huh? I want I want you to answer that question. You tell yourself, and when would you go back? <laughs> um, I would. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. That's like, people have asked me about the other three, and I had my three picked, but you didn't ask me about that. So, um, I would go back to. Mm -hmm. 
when I was 20 and still fairly early in film school. Um, and tell myself that it's a long road and a lot of it doesn't matter. Um, it, mm. it matters a lot and matters not at all at the same time. It's a, uh, it, it, yeah, just what people think of you matters, but what you think of yourself matters more, I guess, is the sentiment I'm driving for there. But yeah, um, absolutely. So thank you guys again. And I've been Ben Yenny. Uh, this has been the Movie Moolah podcast. And if you like this sort of thing, please uh, check out the link below to sign up for my mailing list where you will get a free indie film business resource package which includes a deck template festival brochure template ebook and white paper money saving resources and a whole lot more again completely free plus you'll get a monthly i want that month. dang it's yeah it you, you the <laughs> link i'll send you the link go subscribe um, yeah it's a go uh, go go <laughs> and on that note uh, also uh like subscribe Tell your friends about it. Uh, and if you're on YouTube, hit that bell so you know when I upload another podcast and maybe even some other video things and announcements. Thank you guys again. Thank you, Ben. Thank you're the you. best. <laughs>